Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck sticks? What the fuckaholics? What the fucking avians? And what the fuckadelics? That's enough. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Welcome to my show. Where are we at? What day is it? It's Thursday. What is it? The 5th? March 5th? Hey, look. Let's, let's stick with some practical stuff. I can tell you this. A second show has been added in Seattle. For the Marination Tour, I know a second show has been added in Toronto. I know a second show has been added in Boston as well. Uh, Friday, May May 8th, though, there's a late show at the Neptune in Seattle now, okay? And at the Bloom Appel in Toronto on April 19th, there is now a second show added there. And at the Wilbur on April 11th. So I just wanted to let those people know, because clearly in those areas, uh, tickets are selling good. But uh, I'm excited. I I think I'll be funny. I'm staying in shape. You know, I'm going out on weekends. I'm doing the stand-up. But boy, I am fried today, man. I am fried. I I did pieces of three different episodes today. A friend of mine told me that's how they uh, uh, shoot porn. And, uh, and she's actually in the porn industry. So I, I think I, uh, I have a right to tell you that my, my pussy is a little exhausted. Yeah, it's been, it was a long day, you guys. But um, I was thinking about what I was talking about on Monday. Because I think I'm understanding something. Like I, ta- I talked about not really giving a fuck anymore. And I don't know that that's necessarily the way to phrase it. Because I started to realize something that there is an outside chance that uh, I may be just growing the fuck up. I know it's surprising, but I might just be growing the fuck up. Maybe things aren't going to work out exactly how I want them to. Maybe things don't always feel as good as you want them to. And sometimes even when you reward yourself or expect a reward, that may not come. All those things. And I know I've paid lip service to, about to this before. You know, that like, you know, if you're looking for the world or everybody in your life to parent you or even your job to to take care of you in in a way that that you wanted your parents to, it's just not going to happen. And I think what's finally happening naturally is uh, I truly realize this. There's a sort of deadening inside. There's a part of your heart that just withers because it realizes that it is not going to get what it wants 
but that's okay. You should have had closure on that thing a long time ago, so eventually it just has to, to wither. You have to kind of beat it up a bit. There's just a little part of your heart that's sort of like, come on, I just give me give me everything I want, I want, and if I can't have it, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be angry. And that part eventually goes, I'm not angry anymore because it's just not gonna work out the way I want it to. And then eventually it's like, I I don't really it doesn't matter. I'm okay. It doesn't matter. I'm okay. No, I understand. I'm okay. That is being a grown-up. I understand. I'm okay. Yeah, it's a little disappointing. I'm okay. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll be okay. That's horrible. Uh, but I'm okay. I can handle it. Just that, that, that instinct, that, that little, that little switch. Oh my God, this is whatever it is, but I'm okay. As opposed to, oh my God, this is shitty and I'm going to make it shittier by reacting in this tone. I feel like I've graduated to adulthood and it only took me 15, 51 years and two marriages and no children on earth to, uh, to get there. And it's a little bit, it's a little painful. It's a little cruel, to be honest with you. Did I mention that Rob McElhaney uh, is on the show today, the creator of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is currently in its 10th season. On uh, It's on FXX Wednesday nights, and the season finale is on March 18th. Um, it's been a while since we tried to talk a while back and finally got it to happen, so that's exciting. I just feel so grown up. Can you feel the grown-upness? I guess I guess what I've been talking about is is the heartbreak of being a grown up. That I get I think I knew it intellectually but uh but I, I think the biggest lesson you can learn after a certain point is uh you're going to have to suck it up a little bit. I'm not talking a tough love thing. I just mean if you don't want to walk around feeling depressed and injured and wounded and and like an open wound for your entire life which i believe is possible you're gonna have to just deaden that part of your heart that's uh infantile just anesthetize it with uh <laughs> with the rationalization or something quiet that fucker down all right I do hope you're having a good day, and let's talk to Rob Meckle. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Haney. Does anyone ever 
track you down. And uh, that's the guy. No, but very recently I had an incident right outside of our house. Yeah. Uh, there was like five or six five or six cars parked out there with young dudes with uh, cameras. Right. And so, and they're all just kind of staking out. Yeah. And I got my kids out there. And so I, I, uh, I put my kids inside and I walk out and I say, hey, can I help you? Yeah. And the guy goes, yeah, um, you live next to some famous people. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, all right. So they were just general they, paparazzi? Yeah, not there for me, not there for us, but we, right. we have a couple of famous neighbors. Oh, really? And so they were there to, to, to shoot them. <laughs> so you were ready for battle? I flew right under the under their radar, which we're, which we're happy about. And even when you're right to their face, nothing? Nothing. Isn't that great? It's great. That you have that type of fame where it's just the people that know you know you and everybody else, fuck them. It's kind of perfect. Yeah. It's kind of perfect. So now, all right, well, you want to talk about this possible move and this concern? Well, yes, I'm. Uh, we're, we're building a house in, like how, in, in Brentwood. You want California. to talk about how big? I'd rather not. <laughs> a good size house. Yeah, it's a it's, sure, it, it's a good size house. I yeah. mean, it's like you know when you're building your own house, you get to choose. You know, you get you get to build everything you would ever want in a house. So, well, are you like? Uh, but are you are you crazy or are you reasonable? A little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, it, yeah. Is it going to be a baseball field? No baseball field. <laughs> There will <laughs> there will be um, a gym with with mats, right? Uh, for uh, grappling, sure, things like that. Yeah, you know? wrestling, hands on wrestling, jujitsu. Yeah, why not? Why not? You're right? gonna start teaching classes yeah, because we haven't. No, no. <laughs> I'm about 15 years off. Uh, okay, but maybe I'll bring teachers in and yeah. we'll invite kids from the neighborhood. That'd be good. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I, I always wanted a, a movie theater in my house. Yeah. And so I wanted to build that. That's probably our biggest excess. Um, you, you know, can do that now. Who does? I just, uh, I mean like you do that with, um, you can do it right through your computer really. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to, are you going to put a film theater in? Not a, n- not a film, but yeah. you know, w- with a projector. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, who was, I was at, uh, I was at Louie's house and he's got like a setup where it's like hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. And you can do it right off the Apple TV, Apple TV or yeah. whatever through the computer. Yeah, and the studios have this system too that you you, you have to pay some exorbitant uh, amount of money, but um, you you can get onto this circuit where you can watch the first run movies the weekends that they come out. Really? Mm-hmm. You can do that through like a uh, like is it like all the studios movies through one area? Yeah, you, you have to sign up with each individual studio, oh and my then you God. pay them some obscene amount of money. That's and, like a secret service. Yeah, where'd you so learn then, about that one? I have connections. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I have connections. So that's what I'm looking forward to probably most. But yeah, it's a, it's a little scary f- for me to move into that environment. Well, you have two kids. Two kids, two boys. And you grew up uh, like uh, like in a scrappy neighborhood? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, yeah, Philly it was, it was like, pretty scrappy. Well, I mean, what? I mean, I've been to Philly a few times. You ever go to John's Roast Pork? Uh, sh- sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Of course. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, roast pork is the, uh, so, so cheesesteaks are what the city unfortunately is most famous right. for. Right. I never, I go to the roast pork. I go to the roast pork too. You do? I mean, I can barely muscle down one of those cheesesteaks anymore. I think it's just my. Do you have a, an allegiance to one or the other? You don't give a shit. Mm, no. I mean, it, I, I, the neighborhood that I grew up in was very close to Gino's and Pat's, which is like the big. Right. Those are the famous, two ones. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was always partial to Jim's, which is on South Street. Yeah, do oh, the, though I find it so sad that whenever I talk about Philadelphia, the yeah. first thing that comes up is my allegiance to some sandwich cheesesteaks to a sandwich as opposed to it being you know the, the birthplace of our nation. 
Well, it's the birthplace of a sandwich, too. I mean, there's, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to figure out what's more important sometimes, isn't it? Well, I mean, one, I'm, thank God for one, and now we have the other to talk about. One allowed the other exactly. to exist. Yeah, Exa- yeah to, to sort of, uh, well, yeah. it's weird, because you go see the Liberty Bell. I mean, you do that. I go, and I went, and I'm like, yeah, there it is. I don't know if I, do you feel uh, more An patriotic? Allegiance? Yeah. Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, as an adult now, yeah. uh, when I go back, I, I, I do. But um, but no, not necessarily. I don't think I feel any more or less patriotic than the average man. I wish I knew more. Do you? I mean, could you like walk your kid around and, and kind of lay out the birth of our nation? I could, but that's only because I got I got really into American history like long after I left school and yeah. just started reading up as much as I could on it. Yeah. And now every time I go back, I, I I like to take those historical walks, much to the chagrin of my spouse. <laughs> she doesn't like it. No, <laughs> no. She'd rather she what, does have not a sandwich. Care. No, she's from Oregon, so like you know, she she's like the. the yeah. To me, Oregon growing up didn't really exist. No, that's where everyone ran away to yeah. to avoid everything. Yeah, uh, and Cal- everything. California too. I yeah. mean, I never really thought of California as a real place. <laughs> right. You know. Well, like, it isn't like there's something about the East Coast where it's so densely populated and it feels like all the history is there and there's a type of person that's there mm-hmm. that isn't anywhere else. Mm-mm. Like there's something about like uh, Philadelphia. Boston, New York, Long Island, Rhode Island. There's just a type of towny or sort of city mentality. It's nowhere else. And I can't help it. I, I feel most uh, home when I go back, even though yeah, I never- You lock wanna... right in. It's yeah. like you, your accent probably changes. Oh, w- without a doubt. <laughs> like immediately? Yeah, I'm almost immediately. I mean, it depends on how much I'm drinking or how much I'm arguing. But like Philadelphia is one of those places I didn't really know. Uh, I never- was there when it was rough or bad but it seems like it's one of those cities where they did a little bit of that renewal business mm-hmm. in the downtown area mm-hmm. and it sort of worked it's kind of fun to walk around and shit and yeah. it's like it's a great city it's a great city i, lo- I love going back the neighborhood i grew up in is, is still a great neighborhood it was just I, I think in the 80s it was kind of it was kind of rough I mean, rough in what way um you know it, it was just uh lower middle class i mean gr- great people but White, i think irish you, black uh, a, a little bit of mixture of everything there were still enclaves of of you, it was, you italian know too, yeah right? italian and irish like even my my some of my like great aunts and uh, grandmothers and things they 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 were prejudiced in, in a way but not in the most obvious ways like they 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 were nervous about italians the Irish, which word. you don't really see, you know, a lot now, because the, they were Irish, they were right. Irish, and, right. and you know, it was like the the blacks they didn't really think yeah. about too much. It was right. the Italians they didn't trust, right? Um, and because of it, I, I didn't really learn how to ride a bike till I was like thirteen or fourteen. Out of fear of Italians? No, no, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was just told you are not you are not riding your bike through three. You know, yeah, not getting off a block. Yeah, not getting off the. I, I think we were allowed to to migrate maybe three blocks in in any direction. So, what? How big of a family did you come from? Irish. Uh, yeah. my immediate family. My mm-hmm. my father came from ten, and my mother came from nine. Oh my god! Massive, massive. Family. And and yeah. you're you're and you got brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, I have uh, a younger, uh, an older stepsister, a younger uh, sister, and younger brother, and a younger youngest half brother. So that's four or so. That was uh, yeah or so. It depends. <laughs> it depends on what year. So you have different years. I had different siblings. Because uh, you have a half brother on your dad's side, like your yeah, my father's uh, child from his second marriage. How many times has he been married? Uh, he's not, he's working on three. Oh, that's good. Yeah, is, is it? That, is this that, one's happy. Oh yeah, this one. This one's happy. He leveled off. He, I think so. So who'd you I grow up mainly out. with? My dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we were, but we we saw my mom uh, on weekend. Every started every other weekend. Usually it it's was, the other way. 
It was. My mom had to find herself. Defined herself? Had to find oh. herself. And how'd that pan out? She, uh, it panned out really well. Yeah. But it was rough there for, for a little while. Not yeah, drugs? She, no, no, no. She, she's gay. Yeah. Um, but she didn't, I guess she always knew that. But right. it was really difficult in South Philadelphia. Um, to be. To be gay. Uh, and I think on top of that, she wanted a family and she wanted to, she went to Catholic school and it was probably whipped into her that that was bad uh, that was bad so, so tried to stuff it down get rid of it yep ah. and, and so she did that by getting married having three kids and then actually was pregnant with a fourth and they had a late-term miscarriage uh-huh. and so you know she was i think up until that point in her mind living the dream living in philly and raising kids and then it just kind of came crashing down just in within her i think yeah i think she was just unhappy i think she realized that it was she was living something that was a, a lie, even though she loved us and she loved our family. She certainly loved my dad, but it just wasn't working. Wow. That's a big change. Big change, yeah. Was I that... remember them sitting us down. I think I was seven or eight, and it was yeah. not fully explained to us. That she was gay? No, right, exactly. Okay. It was yeah. just that mom's mom needs to leave for a while. <laughs> that, was... that was it. Yeah, I've heard that once or twice before. the The vague sort of like she's got some things. Yeah. Well, we were eight. I think we were eight, six, and five or something. How do you like even process wrap them? your brain around that? We we couldn't. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, you you just go. Oh, I guess that's the way it's going to be. And of course, it was. Uh, you know, you adapt. I mean, children. Sure. You know, you adapt. But it was a it was a bummer. I mean, I can look back on it now, and I have such uh, compassion and respect for her to make that decision in probably the most difficult time of her life you know but as a kid i i didn't get it at and all. but did she just move across town or yeah i mean i remember there was a period in the beginning where we didn't see her for a little while yeah. and i think and in my mind i project that to be years but i think it was only a, a few weeks mm-hmm. or maybe a few months but you know relative to my life experience at that point it was a, a really long time and uh, i think she was just sort of figuring out who, who she was right and she found a partner um very quickly and they've been together now for over 30 years wow yeah so that's like your second this is mom. my second mother yeah I, I, i'm i'm lousy with moms really i got you tons got of moms i got so many mothers <laughs> that's a it's kind of a beautiful story yeah and my and my dad i mean my dad was uh really he's just an amazing guy he, he recognized you know when my mom came back and said you know let's let's figure this out he said i, I get it let's figure it out um you know, she said, I want to have a relationship with my children. He said, you absolutely should. And they figured it out. They figured it out. And, and, and we're so close and continue to be so close that when my father went through, he got remarried after this, he went through a second divorce. Um, there was some financial issues and he was going to lose the house. And um, he moved in with my mother and Mary uh, for, a, for an extended period of time. Really? And they lived together <laughs> in New Jersey. Yeah. That's touching. Yeah. And they all still get along. They do. Yeah. <laughs> New Jersey. Yeah, South Jersey. That's the other, that's right by Philly, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's Jersey's a the other place. That's where my, my family's from, Jersey. There's nothing like that area. No, it's the best. I know, it really is. Well, that's a, that's a great story and everybody's good. Everybody's, everybody's pretty good. your brothers and sisters took to it and everything? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was, it was... Yeah. It wasn't as difficult, looking back on it, even at the time, Yeah, I never felt like it was that difficult. And I think that was an extension of how my friends reacted to it. Um, But also your dad, too. I mean, like, it's. I I imagine those things can be difficult if your dad would have been like, fuck her, I can't, you know what I mean? But Yeah. That's not in my father's nature. Yeah. 
But like, I think that's what causes the weirdness is if somebody, if a parent freaks out. But how'd your yeah, friends not, react? Yeah, none of that happened. My, my, my friends were always super supportive. I mean, I remember, I remember really coming to terms with it when I was probably maybe in eighth grade, you know, or, or 13 or 14. Yeah. Um, you know, I probably always knew, but didn't want to ad- admit it that to myself. That your mom was gay? Yeah. And um, I remember, you know, maybe pulling aside one of my friends at one point and saying, hey, you know, I, th- I think my mom's gay. And he's like, yeah, no shit. And it turned out that all of my friends kind of already knew because <laughs> right. she was living with a woman for right. as long as they had known her, right. almost for as long as I had known her. Right. <laughs> and nobody cared. Right. Yeah, nobody, nobody, on, I, I don't ever remember having any altercation or issue with it amongst my, my peers. Ever. Yeah. Well, it's weird that Catholic thing really zaps your head. I, I don't know. And it also seems like when things go weird within a Catholic community that eventually if they just stay kind of like if people are committed to the whatever they might consider weird within Catholicism, eventually it just levels off. And they're like, well, that's just the way that is. Yeah. Did, yeah. How Catholic were you brought up? Uh, super Catholic. I mean, I went to Catholic school. All through my, uh, I mean, through grade school, uh, kindergarten, grade like you school. You had to wear an outfit. Oh yeah, yeah, wow. the whole deal, tie, suit and tie. And your dad, your dad was your church. My dad's pretty, ca- yeah. He still, he still is. He still is. And my mother. So- it was really fascinating because we were with my mother on weekends, and you know, she would, she lived across the street from a church, and so we had to go, you know, every Sunday. Meanwhile, we're like, what the fuck? No one. She's sending us across, and right. she's saying you have to go, but she's not going, of right. course. And my dad. Was you she know, not going because she didn't believe her? She was ashamed or what? I don't know. I, I think it was probably a little bit of a little bit of both. Right. I think it was a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I I actually really loved Catholic school. Yeah. I well, went to a single sex Catholic school. All boys. School. All boys. Yeah. All dudes. So you liked it because it was uh, it gave you a good competitive spirit. Discipline. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of that. Yeah. yeah. I think there was the, a tremendous amount of discipline, but also compassion. You know, this was the nineties. It right. wasn't the fifties. So. Right. I went to a Jesuit school, and their whole thing is just you know con- continually question authority, which is you know a really empowering thing to teach a fourteen-year-old boy, you know, <laughs> and dangerous. Um, sure. From I would think from a from a scholastic perspective, you know, they're trying to corral these hormones. That was filled. Well, 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 that was part of the. That's the idea of the Jesuits. It's a it, it's a huge part of it. Yeah, they're they're constantly challenging you to question everything. Well, that sort of defines the way you've approached your whole life in a way, huh? My after, life? Yeah, after a certain point. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I credit my high school as, as, as having a, a, a major, major impact on, on my life and the way that I see the world. Was there a teacher in particular? There was a few. Yeah? There was a few. Yeah, I had this one, this, uh, this nun. Yeah. Sister, Sister Kate, Sister Kate Woody. And she, you know, she was tough, but I remember one time... Um, you know, I had some discipline problems when I was a freshman. How did those manifest? Uh, I was super obnoxious, and I was really small. Yeah. I, I didn't hit puberty till like, way late in life, like, yeah. 16 or something like yeah. that. So I was a wrestler uh, my freshman year, and I, I remember my exact weight class, my exact weight because I was a wrestler. So the lowest weight class was 103. Yeah. But as a freshman, I wrestled the 103 in the 103-pound uh, category, but I was 87 pounds. So eighty-seven is a thirteen. Eighty-seven pounds is a thirteen-year-old boy. Is yeah. you know tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah. And all my friends were, you know, developing uh, body hair and uh, oh, you, you were know, late growing. on that. Oh, late on that. Everything. Worst. Yeah. It's like, worst in the, the locker room. Yeah. The worst. Brutal. Brutal. What's going on, man? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So you learn, you know, you learn how to deal with, you learn how to deal with, you know, in various ways. You and one of them, keep your towel on. Yeah. One of them was just to get like as obnoxious as possible. Right. And, and um, belligerent and ready to fight and right. you know those kinds of things and so it would manifest right. in, in that way. My grades were always really good, but I was always uh, I was always getting de- detention, and, right? You know, suspended. And so like what did what did this sister teach lay on you? Uh, well, one day I was in a big uh, a big fight with with one of the teachers, and he called me a, a pain in the ass, and I probably was, but then I kind of jumped, you know, I kind of continued that fight, and then. A kid got involved and then it got physical and I got pulled away and the the disciplinarian came and pulled me and pulled me in, into his office and he gave me a lecture and the the another teacher came in they gave me a lecture and they're like you're fucked up what are you doing you know what is this behavior we're we're going to suspend you we're going to expel you and uh, then Sister Kate comes in and she's like McElhenney come with me so she pulls me into her office and I'm like oh man your Sister Kate like, oh. she slams the door and she goes you know most people just remember this. Most people in your life don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Get out. And that was it. And I left and my head exploded. What did that mean? Because she, I think what she, subsequently we had many conversations about it, but, but I think she was basically like laying a level of compassion on me that I couldn't quite comprehend, but it was like, look, you're going to be surrounded by people who are telling you what to do how to do it, when to do it, all the time. Um, but they don't really know. They're just as lost as you are. Right, And right. so some of your behavior, and again, I don't think she was excusing my behavior, but I think she was, you know, sometimes when you're when you're a 14-year-old boy, you don't need to be told what to do all the time. You just want somebody to tell you that you're not bad. Right. And I think that's kind of what she was saying. <laughs> and I took that and was like, wow. So I had a teacher telling me that I was surrounded by people who oftentimes are just as lost as I am and don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And that's that's true at every age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I and I took that I took that and and it could have been really destructive. Right. Um but they also they also had a community that sort of fostered um discipline with that. So right. it wasn't just empowering insofar as hey, do whatever you want. It was okay, now take that attitude but but refine it with a certain level of uh, scholastic enterprise or or just discipline. And empathy, too. I mean, in, oh, order, absolutely. in order to to not take that the way of like, well, fuck everything, you just got to sort of like, well, that just means we're all human. Yeah. And there's room for discussion mm-hmm. and, 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 and respect. And yeah. 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 And so that that kind of molded my entire experience through through that high school. And then um, and then after that, I, I think there's still aspects of th- that conversation that I remember. Yeah. Did you go to college? No. No, in fact, it was a prep school, and I, I was the only person that didn't go to college. But I, that was never my intention. I just wanted to take a little time off after I graduated, and uh, and I did. And then I just started like visiting my friends at various schools to see which one I liked, and was just going to apply, you know, yeah. a, a little bit later that year, or next semester. And I noticed that all my friends were uh, they were just getting fucked up. So, you, which was great. It was a lot of fun, but they weren't. They were going, kind of going to class, but kind of not. They were racking up insane amounts of debt, and um, so you're just hanging out at colleges. Just, yeah, yeah. Oh, I did like the full college tour. Because yeah, I know a guy who knew you at Fordham. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I lived at Fordham. Right. I lived in the dorms at Fordham. You know, he said that, you know, you were sort of around this group of people that he hung out with, and they're all sort of rooting for you. You were just the guy that, you know, wasn't enrolled, but would kind of yeah. hang out and go to class sometimes. And yeah. Stuff. Well, once I decided I, that I didn't want to go to college because yeah. I just felt like, in, in a lot of respects, I was too Im- immature. Like, I wasn't really ready for it. Um, I thought. I, I think there was like a certain level of social conditioning that that's important in college, but also, you know, I, I just didn't have the yearning to sit in a classroom again for, for a while, but I thought eventually that would come back. Yeah. Um, so I thought, well, let me just, let me just take a year off. And then in that year I just saw, I don't know, it just seemed like a big waste of time to me. Um, it didn't seem like anybody was taking it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't seem like anybody was learning anything. They weren't. They were just preparing their, in my mind, they were just preparing themselves for a, for a lifetime of debt and maybe, I don't know, secondary schooling after that. Or if they had, you know, very specific goals, which I didn't find that anybody did, whether it was like med school or law school or anything With your like that. crew. With, with, with my particular crew. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, so I just thought, well, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I won't go. So I moved to New York and that's when I lived at, at Fordham in the dorm. <laughs> I got an ID and everything. You did? Yeah. How'd you I wound do that? up getting I wound up talking um I got a meal plan. <laughs> I wound up talking to um one of the guys there and he hated the food he hated the food. Um but his parents had bought him this meal plan. So right. I made this deal with him where I would give him whatever the meal plan was, a couple grand or something. I would just give him like a hundred bucks cash, which yeah. didn't cost him anything because his parents were paying right. for it. I would take all of his information, I would go to the uh you know, to the registrar, and they would write me up like a like a, a new ID yeah. uh, application. I would go to the ID, the security yeah. office. They would just no questions asked, take the picture. So yeah. I had this ID yeah. that not only got me everywhere on campus, including the dorms and yeah. the and the security gates, but got me a, new, a meal plan. <laughs> so I was, for all intents and purposes, a, a student at Fordham, and I would go to class sometimes. <laughs> I would audit classes. I wasn't I was a non matriculating student, but I would go and I would sit and. Some of the classes that interested me. Like what? Uh, well, that's when I kind of got into American history. So I started um, going to some of the history classes. So you just and, like, you were going to college without paying. Yeah. And you got free food and free room and board. Yeah. But you were sweeping on people's so floors, I, right? I was, yeah. Actually, they, they, they lived in eight men's suites. Mm-hmm. So um, one of my buddies from high school, they had, a, he, he had seven men in one suite and mm-hmm. he had an extra bed in his room. So for eight months, I mean, an entire school year. Their entire sophomore school year, I lived at Fordham as a as as a non student resident. And they didn't. I lived in the Bronx. No, the, the, no. It's you know how they found out? They found out because uh, there was a a play. Yeah. And I had the. Uh, I it, 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 looking back on it, it was a really dumb move, but I was making lots of dumb moves at that point because I had a good thing going. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it was Angels in America. Right. And uh, I auditioned for the play. Right. Because everybody thought that I was a you know a student, so I auditioned for the play. I get the part, right? And uh, which part, like the husband? Yeah, the yeah. the husband. Yeah, and uh, Joe. Uh, yeah, I yeah, think so. Yeah, and uh, so I get the part, and I'm I'm super excited. And I get to the first day of rehearsals, and the and the uh, the director's like he's a student, you know, he's he's fun, he's cool. But then there's like this older woman, yeah. and she's like clearly in, like an administrative role or something like that. She comes, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I was like, oh, fuck. No, I, I knew right away. <laughs> yeah. So it turned out that the that the kid who was also up for the role but didn't get the role, uh, rightfully, right, rightfully, because yeah. the truth is it was a student production. It right. should be all students. He, I think he ratted me out. Uh, and so they were like, "Who are you? What are you doing here?" 
And I said, oh, I just, I'm a friend, uh, and I was interested in the play. And, and luckily, they didn't, they, they, they started to sniff around, and by that point, the school year had ended, and I moved, I moved out. Got out. I got out. Well, they really couldn't, what were they, they couldn't charge you with anything. Real, maybe no, falsifying I mean, they, they, something? They definitely take security very uh, seriously up there because it's right. in kind of a rough section of the Bronx. Right. So the fact that a, that a person was able to just... They probably wanted you just to go away. Yeah, they wanted to just kind of forget about it. And that's, that's hilarious. that's what happened. Yeah. Was that where you first started doing the acting? No, no. I, I started in um, in school. I, I just, in high school? I, in, in, actually, in, gr- in grade school, I started doing like musicals and plays, uh, mostly because... I just saw that I, I was not a good athlete, and I want I wanted to be. Yeah, I tried to play every sport, and nothing really took. And I think my size had a lot to do with that. Is that heartbreaking? Yeah, devastating, devastating. I mean, it was all my all my friends, you know, were were able to were able to to compete in in some athletic endeavor, and I I wasn't. And so, uh, but then I found this, and this was a great way to meet girls. To do that was it. To do musicals. To do well. <laughs> 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 not as a grown up <laughs> but you know when you're yeah. when you're in, in in eighth and ninth grade and so then because I went to an all boys school there were we had sister schools uh, all girls schools and they would do these plays and they would need guys to do the plays so I would just go and do those plays and that was oh that was it so you had in you had to go to the that girls school it. every yeah. day to rehearse yeah. yeah and I had so much fun and yeah. it was it was just a great way it was just something that I that I was kind of good at and and it was a great way to meet girls and a great way to, to 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 have something to do do you remember the do you remember your first play the sound of music really mm-hmm. did you I, pl- I did the sound of music twice and played both uh, like once and I played the younger kid and then years later I played the older kid and did you do drama and everything mm-hmm. all the way through high school uh, not all the way through. I sort of tapered off uh, my senior year just because yeah. I wanted to get drunk <laughs> and hang out with my friends. But uh, but then, and it never it never occurred to me that it could be a profession. No, no. Until I mean, when? California was until uh, that first y- y- year uh, when I was um, at Fordham, and when I was at yeah. Well, before that, when I was just kind of coming back and forth, and then. I realized like, oh wow, like people, I, I met a, a professional actor and I was like, oh yeah, that's an actual who? profession. It was just a guy who was right. auditioning in New for York? commercials and stuff. Yeah. And so he introduced me to an agent. I wound up, because I looked, so so now one of like my, one of my like greatest sources of, of stress in my life was that I always looked so young yeah. and small. Now it was, uh, it was, it was, it was something great because I the, I would get hired to play really young. So a, as actors, you know, you, you only get I think six hours with a kid under mm-hmm. eighteen or whatever it is. So they were always looking for kids who were eighteen to look to play younger. We just used one in my show. There you that go, girl, eighteen. She looked fifteen. Yeah. So when I was eighteen, yeah. nineteen, I looked twelve, <laughs> thirteen. I'm serious. I would get roles as like a thirteen year old, and there was it was somewhat humiliating, but at the same time it was like fuck it, I'm working. I don't, I don't care. So you got this agent from this guy who referred you, and they were like, oh my god, we got one. We got like a, a man child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of it. And then I was so I was living in the in the Bronx. I moved to New York. You know, with like a couple hundred bucks, but yeah. I was lucky because I had the meal plan and, the, and the, <laughs> the room and board all taken care of. And I was working. I wound up getting a job working at a, a bar on the Upper West Side. But then I was uh, just taking the subway down for auditions, and and I started doing commercials. Really, like a lot of them? I did a bunch, and as I a did kid. a bunch. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a nineteen year old, I did a I did a ton of of commercials. So you're yeah. making a living. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at one point, I I made enough that I could quit the bar. I got my own apartment, and I thought, oh, this is great in new you york know, i had a my first acting job 
my first like professional acting job uh, outside of commercials was for a movie called The Devil's Own. Mm-hmm. And it was Harrison Ford and Brad Pitt. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. It was like uh, the Westies or something? Or? Some was sort of, yeah. He plays uh, he plays like an Irish, uh, an IRA hitman. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I, I, I mean, I had only lived in New York City for two months and I had already gotten this job. And I was, uh, Julia Stiles was the actress. I played her boyfriend. And I had a scene with Brad Pitt and a scene with Harrison Ford and a scene with Julia Stiles and I made some money and I was like, oh, wow, this is this is never going to end. So a year goes by, the movie comes out, I get completely cut out of it as if I'm not even, <laughs> like not not even as an extra. Like you, I, And of course, I told my family and my yeah, friends sure, and everybody's yeah. there. We're all sitting there watching the movie you and fucking I'm not in it. Yeah. <laughs> and I had quit my job. I mean, to me, it was all going to be roses Gravy. from there. Yeah. And then, you know, I started to look a little bit older. Now I look 19 or 20 or 21, yeah. and now I was competing against other 20, 21-year-olds. Right. And, nothing, and then I didn't work for, you know, two years. I had to go back to the restaurant or the bar and start, you know, bar back and bartending again. Oh, my God. Yeah. You brought the family out. Oh, everybody. I mean, ev- everybody. You got no word on that. You know, they, no. don't, they don't give you the heads That's up. That's happened to me twice, actually. And the second time, I got a letter from the director, which was really What nice. was the second one? Wonder Boys. The, Which was Michael Mike Douglas. Douglas, yeah, Michael Douglas, and uh, and Katie Holmes, and again I played somebody's boyfriend. I played like, the love interest of Katie With Holmes. Lines. It was like a minor, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a minor again. It was minor role, like four or five scenes or something like that. But um, this was after the Devil's Zone. Yeah. Oh, see. and I'd already learned my lesson, so I was like, all right, well, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But again, it was a big, it was a high profile yeah, movie. Curtis Hanson was, yeah, yeah. was the director who I loved from yeah. L.A. Confidential. And, uh, you know, like a month out. Hey, was that after L.A. Confidential? This was after L.A. Confidential. Oh, yeah. It was like right after. Right, right. And he was so cool to me. We were staying in Pittsburgh, and he, I had dinner with him, just me and him, and yeah. he was talking about L.A. Confidential. And and uh, then, like, a month before the movie comes out, I get a letter. In the, a letter. You're lucky you talked to him. You mean, I know. Yeah. And he said, hey, look, man, it's, it's got nothing to do with you. And, of course, of course, it has something to do with me. But right. either way. Uh, you know, it, it it didn't make it into the movie, and so I was just happy and glad that I that I got the heads up. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, sorry. So now you're back after your big movie breaks. You're you're bartending, you're mm-hmm. what, and bar backing. And, yep. And and what were you living in were, Brooklyn? Oh, in Brooklyn. Yeah, I find, I moved from the Bronx to Brooklyn. Were you Were you getting discouraged? How old were you? Twenty. Twenty one. Oh, okay. So yeah. what happens 21, then? Twenty one. Twenty two. Uh, then I was just like I was depressed and I wasn't working at all, and right. so um. Than complaining, but not discouraged. No, just depressed. Well, I was discouraged, but I it, I wasn't ready to like pack right. it pack right. it in. Sure. That never entered yeah. my mind. Uh, and then I was complaining, and so my 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 manager was like sick of me complaining about all the things I was reading. Who's your manager? After. Nick Frankel, who's one of the producers of my show. Now, yeah, he he said, look, if you wanna if you if you wanna read something that you like, why don't you write something? So and I you're did. twenty. I think I was 20 or 21 by yeah, this yeah. point. Maybe 20 or 21. Okay. And so uh, I wrote something. Um, it was super dark. I mean, I was never, I never considered myself um, funny and I was never going out for uh, comedic roles. First, that was the first script you that wrote? That was the first, first script movie? I wrote, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I I don't know. I thought it was pretty good, but it, you know, uh, you need to get other opinions. And so I um, I gave it to Nick and he thought it was pretty good. And we, we wound up, sending it out not a comedy not a comedy yeah. no no like a dark um people die in it yeah yeah like uh yeah it was like kind of like a scorsese mm. r- rip off uh-huh. and um we wound up uh, i wound up optioning it 
uh, to a, a company, um, and then then uh, Paul Schrader, the uh, oh yeah, the director, director, he signed on to direct it. Wow! So I so must have been dark. It was super dark. <laughs> yeah, and that was well, I mean, and that was the 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 place of my that that's where I was in my life at that right. point. I mean, um, just the life I was living. I was working until you know, working at the bar till four or five o'clock in the morning and um, sleeping all day sleeping all day yeah. and you know worst kind of, yeah i mean it was both the worst it would oscillate between the worst and like the greatest because sure. i was still 20 years old living in new york city on my right own for the, for there's the something about time. that sunrise that kind of like sometimes it's like oh it's the worst and other times it's like yeah 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 it well it depends like if i was on you know drugs it would mm. be the worst but if right. i was coming out of the out of that club having worked an entire night yeah. and i had a sock full of ca- i had to keep my money in my sock cuz i took the 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 train the d train back to what club Bronx. were you working at i worked at a bunch i worked at a a bar called bourbon street on the upper west side yeah. a club called venue yeah um and then a couple of restaurants up there but you would get out you would get out at 4 4:30 4 sure. they would close at 4 and then you wouldn't get out after cleaning up till 4:30 or 5 right so I love that when I would have a sock full of money yeah, and I would see people up and like going to, to do their day. It felt like I accomplished something. Right. You just you know? won a yeah. war that they didn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Schrader signs on. So Schrader signs on and um, it, it was, it, so I, I, and when I got that call that um, Paul Schrader was, was going to direct this movie that I wrote and it was the first script that I, that I had written, I, 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 I was so so excited, you know. I mean, this is going to be like such an amazing experience to learn from him and to and to figure out um, what my place is in in the industry. Yeah. Because you know? at that point, I was really confused. Like, well, maybe this is what I want to do. Right. And then I proceeded to have the the worst the worst experience for a little over a year with him. Yeah, but it wasn't necessarily because of him. Although he's a, he's a strange guy, but he's also a really interesting guy and yeah. a brilliant guy. Yeah. And I I learned quite a bit f- from him, but. You know, he he wasn't looking at it like, "Hey, let me take on this this young apprentice," which I right. was kind of hoping for. Right, you know? right. It was more like, "Look, do this and do that, do this, and then I'll just take it over." Oh, fix the script and yeah, yeah, yeah. I got and, it. Yeah, and and meanwhile, um, the op, I learned the difference between an option and a sale. Yeah, which is when they option it means that they're just buying the rights to it, and yeah. they're not going to give you very much money. So. Right. Really, I wound up optioning it for very little money, and the company was kind of shady, and it didn't. They it was like they were supposed to pay me by a certain date. It didn't come, and then weeks would go by. And meanwhile, you know, I'm 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 working at a fucking bar. Like I want to quit and be a professional something writer, yeah. actor, and uh, so I wasn't able I wasn't able to do that for for almost the entire run of that year. And then Paul wanted to go in a different direction that. You know, I was doing it because it was Paul, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. T- tell me what to write, and I'll write it." And I would write it, and it w- wasn't good, and it wasn't good, and it wasn't good. But he was seemed happy with it, and um, but it was taking it in a, a direction that I didn't like. And by the end of it, so the the options up, and um, Paul had just signed on to do Autofocus, which was that great, yeah, that that bizarre movie. Did you it's, like it? I, I loved it. I loved it. It's a fucking great movie. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I love pretty much everything that Paul does. Oh my God, that scene where they're just both sitting there on the couch jerking off, yeah. not looking at you, just talking. Yeah, I remember that one. So that's kind of like, <laughs> now you understand my experience for the better part of a year with, right. with him. It's like, he wants me to write things like that. Yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, which yeah. was challenging, but fun. I wound up at the end of the year with this movie that was not mine anymore yeah. um not you know it, it just it didn't feel right to me but i thought oh well i did my job right you know paul you'll go make right. this movie and that'll be a great you know great thing for me and 
and they'll buy the movie. And so I get this call and they say, well, Paul just signed on to Autofocus, so it's going to be at least another two years. And we don't know if we're going to buy this eventually, so maybe we'll just hold off. So So after a fucking year of this, with no really no money and not a great creative experience. And he just had you butcher your script. Yep. And I and I wound up with nothing except a, a great learning experience. And no resentment towards Paul Schrader. No. Okay. N- no. I mean, because I didn't have that great of a person. I, also, I, I realized that I, I did it. I, yeah. At every point, I had the decision. I didn't have to do it. Yeah. I could have said no. But you also wanted to learn in the way that's sort of like, well, maybe it'll make me see something a different way. And then after a certain point, you're like, nah, it's just not any good. It's just not, not do- and by the way, it's not doing it for him either. Right. Or the studio who eventually passed on it. So at the end of it, he was like, well, I don't know. We'll see. And that was it. So a year of that. Did you ever, have you met him since? I have not seen him since, no. So, okay, so that's a year of I that. I doubt he would remember me at yeah, all. Right. So, okay, so you do a year of that, and then what happens? Yeah, and then I was like, well, fuck that. I don't want to do... I'll just go back to being an actor and just auditioning, because that just seemed like a miserable miserable experience. Well, when did you make the move? Then I moved in uh, 2002. To L.A.? To L.A. That was... The, so this... I'm really going to do it. That's your dis, That's your decision? Like, I'm no, going to No, that was me getting away from an ex-girlfriend. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I was like miserable and terrible. I was just in a really bad place and I was just doing a ton of drugs and drinking in a lot. New York. In, in New York, yeah. And staying up all night and I had a little bit of money, so I was- Doing the blow, talking a lot? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hanging out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of, I was so interesting. What conversations. Yeah. I was so interesting. I bet. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, you can get a gram of cocaine in here and I'm the most interesting oh, man. Oh, man. You, you know. got all the answers. Yeah. I figured it out. <laughs> we're we're going to make so many plans tonight. Yeah. 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 And, you know, when that sun comes up, yeah. we'll be on that boat to Staten Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Because that's the plan. <laughs> Staten Island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to go to the, we're going to go see the Statue of Liberty. You know, we're not going to let this. We're not. We're not going to let that coke hammer hit us over the head. No. T- tomorrow. Right. We're we gonna, got a day. We got a day plan. We got it all figured <laughs> out. We got it all figured out. And I. I remember having real problems when, like, the dealer, because in Manhattan it was so great and easy. You just call the dealer would come to you. Yeah. So the dealer would. Um, would the dealer would come to the house and yeah. one day he came to the house and we realized like oh he's late he's late what, what what's going on and we look at the time. And it's 9.30 in the morning. Right. And we fucking called like an ecstasy dealer or something right. to come at 9.30 in the morning. Yeah. And that's when I realized like, this is, this is not, this is not good. <laughs> and you've been up all night and you're like, what the fuck, man? Where- what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. My third ecstasy pill is we- finally wearing off and I need, I need him to get here. I don't understand. And I know it's light out, but I'm hoping it's like, you know, six. <laughs> you know, yeah. I could still justify putting that last oh, you can't. bit of- the worst and the best yeah i know that's the worst that's 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 the yeah well you do get to that point of exhaustion where you you you're, you become so removed from anything that looks like a life yeah and you're so insulated with the three people that you yeah. hang out with yeah and you know you you know enough and you've read enough and you see enough to recognize that it's all careening towards something uh, okay. inevitable but it doesn't end in, it doesn't end with like i got it yeah i figured it out i'm the guy that figured it out <laughs> <laughs> that's not the way that story ends no so you ran away yeah i got i got i got i got out of there was it did you get out dramatically like just i gotta go tomorrow uh well there was one <laughs> there was one well, almost there <laughs> yeah. was one night where my but this but we were all hopped up on something and we decided well this is the night we're gonna move and me and my roommate packed i had a minivan yeah. i had a i had a fucking minivan it was my first car i bought in brooklyn yeah and uh we packed all of our shit into this minivan 
high. Like a, oh yeah, and like a coke fueled haze frenzy. And we're ready to rock. We're ready to go. We and 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 he drove, and we got through the tunnel, yeah. and we're on our way. You know, like to and, LA? and and to L.A. Yeah. And uh, he just pulled over, and he's like, "Man, we want to." Well, he's like, "I gotta go to sleep." I'm like, "Let's. That's fine. Let's make when we wake up." We're on. We keep going west. We don't go east. Right. We keep going west. We don't go east. Right. Yep. Okay. Great. We wake up. He's sitting on the edge of his bed. I get up. I'm like, "We're going east." He goes, "Yeah, we got to go east." <laughs> Temp right the fuck back around and go back east. And it was so humiliating because we had like we had friends in the building and we yeah. had like wrote, written them letters, you know, like goodbye <laughs> goodbye letters and right. You know, like fashioning ourselves like Hunter Tom, you know, like trying, sure, try, yeah, you know, like yeah, be go. yeah, yeah. So we're writing these like these 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 fucking you know Ginsburg like up, poems, yeah. so, you know, like we're, we're gonna go we're gonna go west, yeah. young young men, yeah. And uh, and then we came back and they're like they wake up they see us there. Of course we're sleeping, you know, because it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Right. What else will we be doing? Yeah. And they and they look at these letters and they're like, what is, what, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> like all of our belongings are in garbage uh, bags in our apartment that yeah. we had packed up, packed up, ready to, ready to go. Uh, just pathetic. Oh yeah. man, did you have to explain it to them? Like, yeah, you had an idea. Yeah, and and luckily they were all you know they they were at the same point in their lives, so they're right, like, so, oh, we get it. Yeah, 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 they got it. So okay, so how long after that did you finally go? Uh, then it was uh, another year. I think that was like around two thousand one. I wound up coming out two thousand. Too. And you were just—you had no real plan other than to audition, and mm -hmm. but you had this... yeah, yeah. And I got a job um, waiting tables. Were you that... going on auditions mm -hmm. too? Mm -hmm. And I was working a little bit here and there, you know, bit parts, TV shows, things like that. But uh, you know, nothing, um, nothing really major. And then, and then that's when um, I just had this idea that I wanted to write something else, but I didn't want to go through the same process that I went through before. I want to make it. So what was the what was the whole the beat you know beat it out for me you just you like I'm gonna write this thing yeah I was living in this garage uh, in West Hollywood and um, a garage I was living in a garage yeah much like this one oh behind someone's house yeah behind someone's right? house yeah beside and it had a kitchen and everything yeah 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 um, and uh, I just had this idea for uh, for a short film about two uh, uh, incredibly self centered. Um, Socio, almost like sociopaths, and uh, and I wrote this scene uh, where one of them comes over to the other one's house for uh, sugar for this coffee that he had made, and when he gets there, it's a guy kind of knows but not doesn't really know that well, and the guy's like upset, and and uh, and while he's there, he says, um, you know, I I just found out I have cancer, and the other guys, all he's trying to do is just get the sugar and get out of the room. He, the, the last thing he wants to hear is that this guy's got cancer. And I thought, that's really fucking dark. And like, that's a, a really dramatic scene. But I wonder if, if I told it from the guy's point of view who's just trying to get out of the room, could we make it really funny? Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I, just wrote, I just wrote it. And then I thought it was kind of funny. So I wrote it like a, a script for it that night. Um, and I just worked all night until I wrote the script. Uh, and I thought there would be funny if there was a third character when this guy comes out of that scene with the sugar. Yeah. When he gets home to his roommate, he says, hey, by the way, did you know that Charlie has cancer? And the third roommate, uh, the, his, the guy's roommate, realized that Charlie didn't tell him. And why wouldn't he confide in him when he confided in you? Right. And he becomes obsessed with the fact that, that you must be better friends with Charlie. And I thought, well, that's an interesting dynamic, something I hadn't seen before. Like nothing about the cancer. 
Just that, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Why would he tell? Why you? would he tell you and not me? Like, that's that. I thought we were friends. I didn't even know you knew him that well. Right. Like, it'd be sort of becoming obsessed with that. And yeah. I don't know. I thought that 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 level of n- neuroses I hadn't seen in in a, in a comedy before. It, it, it executed quite like that. Yeah. Um, where the characters were just um were just you know total assholes, like completely the antithesis of what a network note would be, which is to try to make them more likable. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Them. I wanted to make something where you, you we you were as writers almost like actively trying to get people to root against them. Yeah. And so I brought it to Glenn and Charlie, and they thought it was they were my friends, and they thought right. it was really funny. So how'd you know them? Uh, I met Charlie doing a really bad um movie. Yeah. Uh, like a horror movie. In New York, yeah. yeah. So I've known Charlie Bob because he was years. like the a real actor guy. Well, both of them actually, both yeah. of them. Um, Glenn went to Juilliard, right? So he's sort of the higher end, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. And Charlie would do, did like a Williamstown, right, uh, right, right. That's it. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they were real actors, and yeah. I was just sort of like a scumbag waiter. Yeah. And um, so so how'd you meet Glenn then? I met Glenn through our manager Nick Frankel. Okay, when okay. I was mo- first moving out, I didn't know anybody, right? Here, and um, I came out with a buddy, and uh, it just it was just me and him, and so who was that guy? His name's Chris Backus, yeah, who's also an actor, yeah. Although within, I think six months of us moving out here together, we lived in this apartment in the valley, and it was we had a fucking blast. He's like this really tall, handsome, like charismatic guy, fucking great guy. So one one night we go to a a, a party, like mm-hmm. a Hollywood party. He meets uh, Mira Sorvino yeah. at the party. Yeah, they hit it off. Within two weeks, he's moving out. Moves in with Mirror. Yeah. Within the year, they're married. And they still married. They're still married. Oh, that's four nice. kids. Oh wow. Yeah. It's a good story. It's a great story. And does he work? A but lot? he was my for- he was my roommate. Yeah. And my only friend. <laughs> that was two weeks. Yeah. And he moved up to Malibu <laughs> without me. Yeah. <laughs> and so now I was all alone. And so 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 Glenn came around and yeah. And uh, and we uh, and, and we hit it off. So so that when when I brought the the script to them yeah, yeah. um they they got it. And we just started making. I I'd, I'd sent the script to a couple of people just to see what they thought. Nobody really understood why it was funny. Right. But I knew Glenn and Charlie would, and yeah. so that's what we did. And then we got a couple of cameras together and learned Final Cut and figured it out from there. And you shot a half hour piece. Yeah, it was like a short film. We never thought of it as a TV show. It was right. just a short film, and it was mostly because I didn't want to. I wanted to see it all the way through to the end. Right. One I didn't episode. want somebody to fuck it up. Yeah. One short film. Right. You know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to be done. Have it. Have it be a DVD in my hand at the end, and like, and I, I fully realized. And it. where was it set? L.A. Because that's where we lived. But was it set in a bar, or was it just? No, this? no, no. It was just. Um, it was actually uh, actors. The, the the characters were actors. That makes sense. Yeah, because it was. Yeah. It was the easiest. We were just looking for the for the easiest way to sh- shoot it. So to have us be actors living in Los Angeles, it was just really easy to shoot. So, right, so now you have this, and this is the cancer piece. Yeah, Charlie has cancer. Was was right. the name of it. And you did an episode with that too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So that so so anyway, we we sh- we shot that, we yeah. made that, and then we thought this is pretty funny, but um, let's do another one because we think this could maybe be a TV series, and we know the first thing that people are going to ask is, well, okay, this is episode one, what's episode two? And more importantly, we see that you executed this, but we could prove not only to everybody else but also to ourselves that we could execute this again. So we did a second episode. And what was that one about? That was about me uh, falling in love with a uh, a beautiful transgender woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And what was the problem? Well, the problem uh, was 
was that I I couldn't get over the fact that she was she was she was pre-op trans, right. transgender. So right. she was this beautiful woman, but she still had a penis. And I considered myself straight, but I was falling in love with right. Uh, oh, that was in episode two. Man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was one's a uh, yeah. one's ones up being an episode two. Yeah. So anyway, we had both of them, and and that's what we went out with. I sh- I showed it to Nick, our manager. Yeah. And he said, "Well, this could be a TV show." And and then what happens? Then we shopped it. Uh, we had you know we had an agent set up. Um, uh, two days of of pitching. Yeah. Um. And we went to all the all, all the networks, and I th- we had we didn't go to you know places like CBS or ABC where we knew it yeah. wouldn't quite What's work. The point. But we went to Fox. Yeah. Uh. We went to uh, FX, Comedy Central, HBO, Showtime. Yeah. VH1 was doing original content then MTV. Yeah. And yeah. we had offers from from almost all of them. Really? Mm-hmm. They loved it. Yeah. Everybody except for Fox. I think the Fox just sat there stone faced, and I think they were just. It was just run by morons at the time. Um, not not that this was so funny. It was just that they were looking for young. Uh, they they were looking for this exact kind of show. Like they told me, this is the kind right. of show we're looking for, and then they just didn't get it at all. But they, they but it ends up on FX. Yeah. So we had uh, we had offers from a couple of different places, but FX was the was the place that you know because they most of the places said, well, we have conditions. We said we want to buy it, but we have some conditions. Yeah. And we were like, well. What what are the conditions? And they're like, well, we want to bring in a director, and we want to bring in a showrunner, and we bring in the. And our feeling was, well, we if do you like it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then why do you want to why do you want to change it? Well, it's not that we want to change it. We want to make sure that you can continue it. I'm like, but we we just did two of them. So if you liked it, and we did two of them, why would you not believe that we could do a third and a fourth? And uh, you know, the FX was the only one that said, you know, you do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, because we had our own conditions, which right. is we're not going to do it unless, you know, I'm the showrunner and Charlie and Glenn are executive producers and we write the show and we act in the show. And then then FX commissioned a pilot. Right. So we shot that pilot. Right. Um, but I had learned my lesson. And I, I, I didn't quit my job at the restaurant. So I was I was waiting tables. After you shot it with- During, while I was shooting. Well, when did you conceive of the, the bar and everything else? How did oh, you- yeah. So FX said, hey, we, we really love this. The only thing that we would we would suggest is Entourage was coming, had just come out. Right. And uh, the show Joey, which was the spinoff of Friends, um, there was uh, a Lisa Kudrow show that were all taking, uh, Kirby Enthusiasm, they were all taking place in LA. They were all revolving around the entertainment industry. And they right. just said, look- to us, the core of this, the tone of this, has nothing to do with the entertainment industry. And I was like, "That's yeah, that's right. It, it's just it's about abhorrent people who have time on their hands. So actors yeah. could fall into that category, yeah. and so could people who just run a particular business maybe at night, so they have their days free. So they said, okay, could you come up with another uh, another place to put them? And so I thought, well, I, I know Philadelphia. Maybe I'll, I'll go with that. And a bar. And a bar because it was a job that you didn't have to account for. We could, they could all kind of own it. It's so funny. It's because, a great meeting place, right? And it's it's just funny because it is sort of like the characters float above the business. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, you're you're never worried about how the bar is doing. Yeah, the business is, <laughs> is irrelevant until it's not. Until we right. figure, well, let's do an episode about it because right. we need to. You know, right, we've got right. 114 of these. Let's let's figure. <laughs> we gotta we gotta figure something out. Yeah, we gotta we got a story in the bar. Yeah. That's amazing. So, but okay, so you do the pilot like that. You don't quit your job, and then no, then... no, I was ner- because I, I I had just seen so many so many things had fallen apart. You know? So when did you quit your job? After we got picked up to the um, for the first season. Oh, okay. Yeah, once we got picked up for the first season, I I I was able. I felt more comfortable there. You write all of them. Just to, did you hire a staff? Yeah. I guess, so not it? not in the first season, but um, in the second season yeah. we start. We hired a few writers, and now we've um, and now. We've got a pretty good staff. 
Yeah? Yeah, we got a pretty good staff. Well, it's sort of like one of those ones where I imagine it's got such a specific and loyal following that the people that you would find as writers got to love the show. And they're like, I want to write for these guys. Yeah, that that's helpful. Also, we we went on a mission this year to find people, uh, younger people, just th- that that grew up watching the show, which is kind of sad. But how many years has it been on? Ten. That's insane. This is our tenth season. Yeah. How and many have you made? One hundred and fourteen. So that was a so, real number. Yeah. That's a real number. Yeah, and that allows us to, I, I you know, most shows, if they're in their tenth season, they've done two hundred and forty, because they're doing twenty two to twenty four episodes right. a season. So we're only doing ten. So that makes it a lot. It makes it a lot easier for us. But also, was that does that mean this was uh, that you were just able to sell it into syndication uh, at a hundred? No, I think we sold it three years ago. Oh yeah, into syndication. Yeah, because they had they had already commissioned uh, two more years. Mm-hmm. So we we got usually get picked up in in blocks of two or three. Seasons. Oh, so you were able to sell it under a hundred because they knew you were going to do a hundred. Yeah, and they could start running. Them. Yeah. So wow, now that's it, great. It, it runs on Comedy Central and FX and 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 on network late night. That's great, man. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the greatest job. It's my dream. So what what was the issue though? Like, what was the story with was the show in trouble after the first season? Yeah, well, nobody watched it, so that <laughs> that's trouble. That would put in trouble. Nobody, very few. And 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 what was going to happen? One person watched it that we knew of, which was very important. That was Danny, Danny DeVito. Yeah. So he. Okay, so but so after the first season, the um, John Landgraf, you know, called me and said, "Look, we love the show at FX. At FX, yeah, yeah, he runs it. We love the show. Nobody's watching it. Right. We don't have a ton of money for marketing, right? But we feel like if we bring in somebody of stature, yeah, that we could generate a certain level of PR and 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 and, and maybe people will find it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we were like, well, uh, we don't know who that is, and we, uh, who's that going to be? And he said, well, I know that Danny." DeVito watches the show would you be interested in and you know we thought we thought long and hard about it and we were like I don't I'm not I don't we don't want to do that it might fuck with the chemistry he might be a maniac right um were you a it fan just might not work. yeah of course we, yeah right yeah, taxi or of whatever. course yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but but we had our own thing and we yeah. didn't want we didn't know you just never know how oh like if he was going to swallow it yeah right and, or the it would it would it would you know mess with the chemistry right. or that you know, one of the things that's really important to us is that we create a really fun working experience. I had done enough in the past where, you know, you go to these sets and people are yelling at each other and everybody's yeah. fucking pissed off. And I just thought, well, if I ever get to run a show, we'll never do that. We'll just, no yelling on the set. Right. Everybody's here to have fun. We'll work hard, but it's a it's a comedy. So right. let's figure out right, the best right. environment to laugh. But if you, you know, you, you bring in some some nut job and the next thing you know, it's it, it can crumble. So... They could just become a cancer in the right. set, and then you know. The, right. I, I know a lot of successful shows that people hate going to work every day because it's fucking miserable. That's sad. Sad. Now I got to like, yeah, I got to pay attention to that in my own life. Yeah. <laughs> just like. Well, you remember that it 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 the it stinks from the head down. Right. You know, so whatever whatever mood you come in to work every day with, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna permeate through the entire crew. Right. Right. So I think about that a lot. I think about our you know our grips and our caterers and our you know people who've been with us for 10 years and they're like our family and i know that if i come to work in a bad mood it has an effect on their lives too and right. so we try to we try to keep that shit in check good that's a good policy yeah I and mean, we don't always achieve it but we try <laughs> yeah so all right so devito you, you you think long and hard about it and then what what's that first meeting like uh well we well we said <laughs> First, we said to John, nothing against Danny. We love Danny, but I don't think we want to do it. And he said, all right, well, I don't think you have a show. So we were like, well, you know what? I think we want to do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 hey. Sounds great. Let's make it work. Yeah. 
So I go over to Danny's house, and uh, he was certainly the most famous person, you know, that, that I, I had ever, I had ever spent that much house? time. Right. Yeah, I've been to his house, and it was uh, a surreal experience because he's exactly he's the greatest guy. Like yeah. he's exactly what you you expect him to be. Right. Um, the guy you see on screen is pretty much Danny. Right. Um, and so we hung out for an hour, and I kind of pitched him a character that I just made up. We hadn't really discussed too much about it. And uh, on the way home, he called and said, I want, I want to do it. So then we knew we had a show. Wow. So we made the second season, and nobody watched it. <laughs> <laughs> With Danny. With Danny. <laughs> With Danny. But was it fun working with yeah, him? Yeah. Because he's so fucking... The best. He's funny. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah. And now he's, you know, a part of the family. And yeah. He, and, um, you know, I mean, that's that, that it, it, he's just been a great role model to, to have around. He, he's got great kids, yeah, uh, who were raised, you know, he, here in LA. And it's uh-huh. just, it's great to ask him questions and to talk to them about how he did it. And, you know, certainly, uh, with such affluence and in and terms fame of in raising lives. kids, yeah, it's a real concern of yours, like it's major, hanging over you, major because you don't want to have like uh, shitty kids, yeah, well, pretty what much. You, what, 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 how are you gonna solve that? Well, it seems to me like the common denominator. I mean, look, there are asshole fuck ups uh, that 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 cross through all socioeconomic and, right. uh, barriers. I I I think the one common denominator amongst um, really good people is that their parents paid attention to them and loved them unconditionally and gave them boundaries and and just gave a shit. Showed up every day and 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 made sure that that their lives were important to them. Right, and didn't let them get too far away. Yeah. Yeah. Drift yeah. off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so and so I I I'm gonna make certainly my wife is and I'm gonna make a, a concerted effort to, to to do my best in that. Right. Regard. And I guess the other trick is not spoiling them too much. Well yeah. That's 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 the tricky one I think. Yeah. That's the that's the tr- well that's where the discipline comes in. Right. And drawing a line on the boundaries or mm-hmm. like, well we I always had the I think my parents, in some way, they would never look at it this way. But my dad had the luxury of saying, "You can't have that because we can't afford yeah, it." Yeah, and so it's not, so can't. that puts you on the same team, right? Right, like we're in this together, right? Whereas now, it's neither like, one of us can have it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You don't get to do that, but we don't get to do that. Therefore, it brings us closer together. Right. right yeah. And so and so now, when if I, you know, uh, my oldest son's Axel, it's like if he if he wants something, and I say. No, what I'm saying to him is you can't have it because I said so, and you'll learn later why it's important. Well, he isn't. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> he, but he doesn't understand that, and it doesn't bring us any closer together. Right, right, right. You know, so yeah. that's the, that's the. Yeah, because now a you're just this withholding guy. Yeah. You know, I'm but like, I could have Yeah, that. I'm you holding just, the key to your, yeah. you know. In, in, Whatever your, you want. The your truck. gratification. Yeah, yeah, yeah your instant yeah, gratification. Yeah. I'm right. not giving it to you. And you'll maybe, when you're 25, look back and understand why it happened, but you can't right now, and it's not drawing us closer together. Yeah, I mean, I grew up, I, you know, I always worked, but my, you know, my dad, he was a doctor. He had money. Like, I didn't, you know, it's weird. I didn't turn out great. So, yeah, I mean, I'd well, be careful you, with that. You don't think you turned out great? No, I honestly, and I've said this before, I don't think that, I was ever taught, like, it seems like whatever happened in Catholic school for you was important. I mean, to be taught, you know, uh, to have a healthy sense of competition and that, like, you know, winning and losing is not life-threatening. There's something about sports and about understanding, you know, your limitations in some ways around certain things when you're younger, which would be boundaries, and also about healthy competition. I think that just really helps you throughout your entire life. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if if you're not careful, you can go through life emotionally like a child, 
you know, with entitlement and, and not really having a sense of winning and losing or taking the hit in a dignified way. That's important shit. Learning how to lose with a certain amount of dignity. Yeah. Is that's that's paramount. I think I mean, so. that was paramount to my high school experience, which because I was constantly getting my ass whooped uh, in uh, physically, you know, in sport and also like, you know, emotionally, like anybody is at 15 or 16 years old. And, and what they were teaching you how to do was to get your ass whipped and then just keep getting up and learning from it and, and moving on. But recognizing that, like, their job isn't to teach you how to win. Right. Their job is to teach you how to lose with dignity and grace and and to continue on. Right. That's really important. That's, you know, the whole I mean, thing. That's, that's the whole thing. Because <laughs> your whole life is going to be a lot, a, a series of yeah. of defeats. And struggles and, you yeah. know, and victories. But like, but just the fact that, you know, if you're not emotionally fortified, that, you know, you know how you're going to buckle under the first series of losses yeah. could really define your life. You can make some big mistakes in yeah. those times. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think we see, you see that a lot. I mean, I, I know with like young people that we hire now, you, they come out being told that, yeah, you know they're the greatest, and 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 I understand that from a parent's perspective. You want to encourage your child and tell them that they're the greatest uh, over and over and over again. But once you, when you're nine, you know, when you're 23 years old and you're out looking for a, a job and you've been told you're the greatest uh, all the way up until this point, and someone says, "Hey, you know what? You, you're not the greatest." Yeah, and you watch people fucking crumble. Yeah, do you say that to them in auditions? No auditions. Oh, God. that's the hard. That's the hardest. I, it's horrifying. I, mean, I never. That's the but hardest. no. But I think you're right, and it's it's sort of interesting too. Like certainly in in certain fields. Like, I, would you would you tell your kid to like? I don't know what Danny's kids do, but I think he must have been a role model on, on a lot of, a lot of levels. And, you know, just in sort of you know surviving in show business. Period. You know, I mean, he is like this. There's nobody like him. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. Oh, I look to him all the time. I mean, he's got he's got a career that spanned thirty five years. He's a, he was in fucking cuckoo's nest. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, uh, and he survived it, and yeah. he nurtured it, and he you know, and he handled it, it like uh, he kept getting opportunities. Yeah, there's really nobody like him. No, yeah, no. I mean, he 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 certainly transcends generations, which which I think dramatically is is easier to do than comedically. You know, because comedy is a hard thing to 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 stay you know, relevant so rele- yeah to say to stay relevant and he's able he's been able to do that and i think a lot of that has to do with the, the fact that he seeks out younger people i mean he says that to, to us all the time like what's funny what do you think is funny because i'll do that yeah because his his sense of humor while while it, it lines up with ours very often you know he still recognizes that he's a 70 year old man but he's also like he's an archetype almost like yeah. he's specifically daddy devito so you're like if you just fill him up with something he's going to give you that thing yeah like you know whether he's he knows what the comedy is or not he's naturally going to be hilarious yeah <laughs> well yeah and that yes but, i've learned that over and over again when you see people like charlie um or danny who are just naturally f- funny yeah and you can't teach that and you can't learn nope. how to do it you can't nope. yeah it doesn't matter how hard you work like some people can be clever funny but there are people that like just can't help but be like i just work with andy dick on my show he can't there's you can't stop it yeah you you know it may be annoying after sometimes but you're not gonna yeah that that's why it was so fascinating to me to hear uh danny i I heard the podcast for danny mcbride because to me danny mcbride is maybe he's another one maybe the funniest person on on earth it's crazy and the fact that he didn't really know that for so long is confusing That he wasn't a that he wasn't a perfor- he never thought of himself as a performer. Well, I don't know so that he, unless you get in front of people and like I know you. But he's in front of people his entire life. 
I know, but like, there's a there's that jump between like being the funny guy among people and then being the funny guy for a job. Yeah, it's different. But he's so fucking to be funny. so funny, he's so fucking funny. Have you worked with him? No. Well, you ought to. Oh, sure. When you have money, I ought to. Yeah, I, sure. Dude, you know, when I would go home, sometimes I still go home to Philly, and my my uncle would be, you know, like, hey, 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 Robert, come here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know who you should work with? Yeah. Tom Cruise. That right. guy's good, man. That guy's really good. I'm like, okay. Oh, thank you. They think that there's some sort of like <laughs> entertainment just, syndicate. Yeah, that my we're dad's all... like that too. Yeah. You should call Bill Maher. He seems yeah, to be doing good. all right. He says that to me. Maybe you should give Bill Maher a call. Like, they don't ever recognize your success. Yeah. Because it doesn't match up with the type of success in, in movie star land yeah. that they relate well, to. Well, I get a lot of that. Oh, it's a movie star. Oh, here's a movie star. Now, meanwhile, I'm on television. Right, right. right. But that doesn't that doesn't matter. But so. they must think you're a rock star in Philly. Uh, Yeah, it goes really well in Philly. Philly's been Philly's been fantastic. They must fucking the love you. They it's love one of those, it. Because it's one of those uh, overlooked cities in terms yeah. of just recognition, period. Yeah. So just just by virtue of the title alone, that must be like, hey. Yeah, Philly's a city with a with a chip on its shoulder, and I, yeah. and and one that they're proud of, and and I think the show has a bit of a chip on its shoulder, and I think they they respect. They that. love it. So you go yeah. back and do they, you get free food everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. I mean, this way I got the key to the city one year. You did. Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. great. Yeah, it's it's been pretty great. So I guess what I was going to ask you though, would like would you stifle? How old are your kids? Four and two. Oh, so you got you don't have to make this decision in a while. But they're like, you know, I, I want to be an actor. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Uh, I, I I would I would never allow them to be a professional actor until they're old enough to to make until they're eighteen. Till right. They're, um, but I wouldn't discourage that. I would I would encourage them to, you know, to to get involved in plays and to learn, right. you know, and and, sure. and to express themselves creatively, but but not as a not as a profession. Right. I don't think That's that tricky. there's necessarily anything inherently wrong with that either. I, I, it's just not. It wouldn't. It wouldn't no, be. For I, that. I never thought it was like I never knew. But yeah. I, I when I like, like I just I didn't know comedian was really a a job. Yeah. I st- I think when I just well when was that moment? Well, I knew that you know you got paid at comedy clubs and stuff, but I never saw it as like this thing you had to focus on and like you you know when I was younger about like uh, I never knew I, I never really understood show business. That but were, was, were you always were you funny? Yeah, I mean, I was a, I was funny. I was quick. I was, you know I was clever. But I think that with comedy, I really saw it as a way to say what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Like whether it was funny or not, I didn't give a shit. Like mm-hmm. I, I just wanted the space mm-hmm. to do it, and I had a tremendous respect for comedy. And I, you know, I, I spent a lot of years doing stuff that was aggravated and angry and not funny. I arguably, I, I don't know how many people like me as a comic now, but but there was definitely a lot of years where I realized like I'm just trying to, you know own myself up here mm-hmm. there, you know I'm, I'm not an entertainer mm-hmm. i'm just gonna put you through some shit because mm-hmm. <laughs> i gotta go through it yeah exactly so i'm gonna put it out and then drag you guys through it <laughs> you know i'm getting paid to too when i was a kid my, uh, my father uh, we didn't have hbo but my but my dad came home with like three vhs's uh full of uh george carlin's hbo specials yeah and that that bl- blew my mind oh like, yeah that was the first time i'd ever I was probably like twelve years old. Yeah. Or something like that it was the first time I'd ever really seen a stand-up comic. I think. Right. Right. And here was this guy. Like, oh yeah. Uh, it, 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 I mean, talk about authentic and and. Brilliant, oh yeah. You know. And tight. And tight. Yeah. No fucking tight. around, man. And yeah, and what he was saying, I was like, what? Why am I laughing at this? Like, this is mind this blowing. Is, yeah. And yeah. as a Catholic too, I mean, some of that yeah. stuff. Like, if you listen to Class Clown, Jesus. Yeah. As a Catholic person, that must yeah. have been awesome. Yeah. 
So, but you're working with Bill Burr now? Yeah, I just directed a pilot uh, with uh, with Bill Burr as a star that we that we created. Well, he's a great comic. Were you a yeah. fan of his? Before? I, I was actually the, these two brothers um, who work for me, uh, Dave and John Chernin. They they love Bill Burr and yeah. they they write for Sonny. And they were like, "Hey, there's this comedian you got to see." And I'd always heard of, heard yeah. about him, um, but I didn't really know him very well. And they took me out to a show of his, and you know, he's like the, one of the best in the business. Yeah. So funny. And then we met him afterwards. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. And we thought, well, this could be some interesting alchemy. So uh, we knocked around a couple of different ideas for the better part of a year until we finally landed on something we really liked. And the guys went and executed a script, and it was it was really funny. Bill thought it was funny, and and we made it. How did it come out? Really good. And it's for FX? It's for FX. We just delivered uh, on Friday. We'll see. You never you never know. But um, it's a great cast and Bill's, you know, Bill's great. What is this other thing you got going? The movie? Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing a movie. That, but that just happened, right? It just happened. Yeah. Yeah. I just um, I just sold it a few months ago. But like it's that- very the, different. The way you sold it is similar to, like, you know, you just take things in your own hands. How did that go? You, what, what was, what, how did that go from well, idea the, to- Well, yeah, the, 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 the movie is very different from Sonny. Uh, right. I, I, it's not a comedy. Um, it's a family action movie, sci-fi. And um, I knew, and I wrote it, and I knew uh, it how would be a difficult sell. How long ago did you write sell. it? About a year ago. Why, why would it be a difficult sell? It wouldn't be a difficult sell. It would be a difficult sell to have me direct it. Right. Just because there's a lot, it's just a big, big in scope, uh, uh -huh. very expensive movie, and I'm known more for small in scope comedy, dark comedy. Yeah, dark what's comedy. What's the what's the the pitch? What's the one liner? I don't think I'm really allowed to talk about it since I. Oh really? Since I sold it, yeah. Oh, I mean, done? before I could talk about it a, a lot, but now I'm like signing NDAs and all sorts of shit. Oh but, okay. But it's a, but it's a big family. Um, it's just like a big scary family. I should have called movie. you a couple months ago. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, well, right. you know what? I, I've been avoiding you for, for, I know, for years. I know. I understand. Yeah. If I had to happen eventually. Uh, so so how did you sell it? I uh, I took a, um, a scene from it and I went out and shot it and I called in a bunch of favors. I mean, one of the great things about employing people for, you know, the better part of a decade is that they're, um, and also treating them well and fairly, they're willing to pitch in when you have a project that um, won't pay them uh, in, yeah. the, in the present, but- you know, hopefully we'll we'll become work down down the road, and so a lot of people jumped in and 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 helped me out. So over a weekend, I shot a scene from the movie. I hired a kid actor, and I had this uh, company up in uh, Northern California that did all the CG. Uh, they because they were big Sunny fans, and they also liked the script. Yeah. And um, you know, now we're going to use them to to do all the CG in the movie. So you did a big it's a big monster movie. So um, a big CG trailer. Yeah. Like yeah. How yeah. Like how much did that cost? Not very much. Because of the friends, yeah. Because of, because of the friends, and because uh, because of the amount of work that was put in, um, you know, from from all from everybody across yeah. the board, right? Um, you know, it, it didn't really cost very much at all. So that's exciting. Yeah. So now you're going to direct a big movie. Yeah. Is that where you see your career going? Is that what so. you'd like to do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is sort of what we were talking about earlier about how you know people just have this thing like some people just have this thing and I, I think we even with dramatic actors it's the same thing like you know sean penn is just a great actor he was born that way yeah. he just has that presence he has right. that that charisma and that yeah. gift and tom hanks uh yeah. charlie day uh uh danny glenn yeah. caitlin all the people on my show right. they just have this thing and I just don't think that I have that. Uh, and that's not even being self-deprecating or, or even... Practical. It's being practical. It's knowing your it's, limitations. It's, it's, it's recognizing my limitations. Absolutely. Which I think is a big thing when, as you grow up that you have to recognize that you know you can't do everything and that's okay. 
Yeah. I, I need to stop comparing myself to people, you know, that do this well, big thing because I can't do that thing. Well, that's that thing we were talking about earlier. That's like, that's a healthy thing. That's yeah. Learning to be able to accept that stuff and really kind of sit yourself down and go like, I can't, this, yeah. this, this is the way it is. Yeah. Know? And you find, I find myself doing it, still doing it all the time where you compare yourself to certain people, you know, oh, it's, it's like, you, yeah, I mean, it's Tom Brady, you know, you look, you're looking at Tom Brady and you're like, why the fuck? This guy's so fucking handsome, yeah. and he's such a good football. Like, why can't I be that handsome? Or why can't I be a good football player? Like, can I have one thing? And then I'm looking at the TV, and I'm like, why well, can't I have one fucking thing? You know? And my wife's like, what? Like, what? What more could you want? Like, isn't this what you? Yeah. This is what you wanted to do. Yeah, but he's playing foot. Yeah, you know, yeah, football. Yeah. <laughs> and look at his chin. <laughs> yeah, you're like a child. Yeah. Oh yeah, like a like yeah, a like a child using someone else's success. You, you, it's not even in your wheelhouse at all. Just to beat yourself up with. Yeah. Uh. And it's so so. Uh, that doesn't mean that I can't have a really great career, but I'm never gonna have the. You know, I'm never gonna be. But your specific type. I mean, you've defined this thing for yourself. You are who you are. People know, like your 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 sense of comedy is very specific yeah as an actor and as you know and as a writer and you know and a director because i mean you do other stuff i mean i don't know wh why do you do mindy show why you just for fun or? uh yeah but well she she we became friends um just through the you know like those those showrunner circuits and um and she said hey i have something for you and i said oh i don't, I don't really know i don't love, i don't love to act and uh or i don't like to do this kind of stuff and guest starring and yeah and she sent me the script and it was so funny yeah, and yeah. I know some of those people over there, like Ike uh, Barinholtz is so funny, and right. Mindy's so funny, yeah. and they have some directors that are really great. So you're just it's doing just it. fun, yeah. yeah Chris Messina is great, and they had just they they create a great fun environment. It's just fun. And then what about with Lost? Oh, Lost with uh, that came about because Damon Lindelof uh, and a couple of the other writers, Eddie and Adam, uh, were really good. Uh, they were fans of Sonny, and then yeah. they became friends. And uh, one day they called me and said, "Hey, we." we wrote this thing for you would you want to do it and that's a free first class trip to hawaii right to be on the biggest show on television so why wouldn't that's you do that no, that's a no-brainer and so how long have you been married now uh five years and you met her on the show just i hired her you hired her and that yeah how i hired her when did you know you were falling in love with her season two yeah yeah we didn't we didn't really uh she had a boyfriend at the time and um, uh yeah, but 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 I just thought of her as a friend and 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 uh, an employee. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, they broke up, and then I don't know, something just started to click. I mean, to me, you know, I I, I got the great. I, I mean, I closed the circle. It's like the greatest woman I could ever. To me, she's the funniest woman working in show business. I mean, I. I it, it's, it's nice that you respect her. Oh yeah, That's I great. respect her. I love. Her. I mean. Uh, as a as a as a comedic actress, I think she's like brilliant. Like yeah. maybe the funniest person on TV. But as a as a mom, she's like the gr the greatest mother I could ever imagine. Everybody should have a mother like Caitlin. Oh, that's so fucking sweet. Man. Yeah, man, you're living it. I'm living it. It it really feels to me like early on you were you know kind of uh, given a fairly good framework to yeah kind of move through and and you <laughs> you know you you didn't let yourself get too you you pulled yourself back from getting too fucking lost. Yeah. Well, I had a lot of help, but yeah. Yeah, a lot of help. Well, I mean, my parents and my school and my friends and... But I mean, it didn't seem like you ever got, you know, drifted too far into drugs to not be able to get yourself out? No, I think my, um, I think my ambition was, uh, would not allow that to happen, I think. 
it becomes weird and hard. I mean, it seems like directing is the right way to go. And if you can get into that world, you know, pull if you pull off this big one, mm-hmm. it'd be great. Seems like you'd be a made guy with that thing. But acting's hard with movies. Making the jump from TV with established characters into films. Yeah. Well, tricky. you also find that like you, you hit a certain point and you go, well, when does it start to just happen for me? And you realize that it never does. You just have to keep... I mean, very few people just get offers for things and sit around and read scripts and just get offers. And then and even when they do, that lasts for three, four years, and then it's over. Yeah, everybody's every, struggling. Everybody's struggling. Everybody's got to be proactive. Everybody, you know, the, the 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 people you see that are working for 20 years, they're, they're out there hustling, you know? But could, like, theoretically, you could probably retire right now if you weren't building a house in Brentwood, right? Uh, Yeah. 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 So those guys, so you guys are comfortable, but you want to keep working. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, com- com- comfortable is uh, is uh, is great. I like being comfortable, but it's like it's just a very thin line to complacent, and that that frightens me. Right. So when I'm comfortable, I, f- I f- uh, you know it, that that's a positive thing. But but I, I feel like it's so close to being complacent, and I feel like that level of stasis uh, is the end. Not really? only creatively, but yeah, yeah. But but theoretically, I mean, you could just you, you know take a decade off. And mm-hmm. just hang out with your kids. Yeah, of course, of right. course. Um, but I you have more I, you want to do. Yeah, and and I I just want to do different things. So I did the TV show, and that's yeah. great. Now you're gonna and do, now a, I do movie. a movie. Yeah, I just keep doing something different. Do you ever think you're gonna get back to a movie like the one you wrote for Schrader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I like to do. I like to just do di- different things. I mean, like when you look at somebody like Paul Thomas Anderson and. How do you define that guy? You can't. Like I, I talked to him for two hours. Yeah, like, yeah. It's well, that was really one of the most frustrating interviews I've ever heard. Only sure. because you want to believe that there's some insight oh, yeah. that he's going to drop on you that that's going to make it all click in your head, or you're going to go, "How does he do? How does he do yeah. it?" And he seems such like a dude. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 no. You need to be more. This the, the guy that makes those movies needs to be more aloof, and he needs right. to have yeah. a certain. Th- he he doesn't. He's well, just like a guy making movies, and you realize like it's so it's so inherent. Like his instincts are yeah. just you can't teach that. He's not like it's not a, a, no, a he level. No, com- he commits to his vision. Yeah, and you, you, and he doesn't have an answer for it. No, the Cohen <laughs> the Cohen brothers are the same way. You ever try to read anything about like their opinions of the movies they make? They're just like no, no. We just we just shot it this way because we we like it, and there's no meeting. It just kind of is what it is. And why did you? choose you know this particular angle uh because uh, that's where we were with the camera and we just shot it that way so i don't know if they're like purposely deflecting or if they really their instincts are 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 that uh, specific and and honed that they just do it it just hap- it just happens it's but like that's a part your, of the flow. Well, get, it's weird because that's their vision i mean when you got guys who work at that level and you've got people like me and you and film critics who are reading every, all this other stuff into it yeah projecting that, yeah projecting our own bullshit like into. i am so hung up on the, like there was this like i went to some class about you know semi semiotics class or something or i don't remember what it was but it was years ago and it was in the godfather the first godfather so in the scene where solazzo is meeting with the don you know solazzo is uh-huh. right yeah so they're shooting solazzo and in the frame you see a green potted plant he's wearing new clothes he's clean he's fresh he's young and then he cut over here to uh to uh you know to brando and he's like wearing a a, a kind of drab suit he looks older there's old pictures behind him like who's responsible 
for loading up the frame like that. Mm-hmm. Did Coppola say like, no, I need more pictures? Was it a set director? Was it a group think? Like, I, who the hell knows how that happens? But it is a commitment to the vision. Yeah. Like, they can't answer all those questions. Would Would you respect a guy that said, the reason we did that is we thought that if we saw up angle that it would imply, you know, an entire history of bullshit that I'm about to lay on you? Well, there, there's the there's the, the, the professional in me that, that yearns for him to say that so I can kind of get some insight as to how he does it. But then there's the, the person in me that's like, ah, fuck that guy. Right. You know? Right. That's bull- what a, what a, uh, yeah, there's nothing worse than hearing an actor talk about his or her process. It's like, it's so, uh, it's just irritating. And I think it's irritating to the general public. And yet, you love and respect those performances. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yet, you also want to feel like it's effortless. Well, well, I think it is for some people. I think that's the weird thing about acting after talking to so many actors. It's like you can't, you explain it just really the best way. It's like some people are just born, they're just good at that. <laughs> yeah, and you can hone it. You can get sure, better at sure, it. But, but it, like, it's like, it's not just about creating a believable moment because yeah. lots of people can do that. It's how, are you compelling on a moment to moment basis? Yeah. You know, yeah. Denzel Washington is compelling on a moment-to-moment basis. I don't know why. He Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Wow, Gene yeah. Hackman. I don't know why he always comes Sterling into Sterling Hayden. I mean, you know, like, you yeah, just take, Sterling like, Hayden. you just, you, you can go back for the last 150 years, and for whatever reason, it doesn't necessarily need to be the best-looking people. It doesn't need to be even the greatest actor. They're just compelling to, yeah. to compelling to watch. Well, yeah, it's like, and also getting back to the director thing, it's like, did you ever see that documentary about the the Kubrick fanatics, the the uh, the the people that read into the no. the Shining, or like, uh, it's amazing these uh, the these people that have all these like basically conspiracy theories in, in a way about their interpretations of the Shining, yeah, and like they're also kind of like well thought out and a little crazy, but like you, you start to realize like could Kubrick have managed to have all that in his head yes but the the the, the trick is though or the, i think what we have to accept is that he might not have known it mm-hmm. everything just comes together yeah, well, that's because they're honoring their vision yeah you know whatever their whole life is brought to them to that moment mm-hmm. just like an actor and that that's what they're loading it up with yeah doesn't mean they can't explain it yeah it's just it's 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 intrinsically a, a part of them it's just their instinct and they're just doing it so you can be able to do that i don't fucking know <laughs> I'm going to try. All right, man. It was good talking to you. Great talking to you. Thank you for having me. All right, that's it. That's our show. That was a, a, I thought that was a great conversation. He's a good guy. Sharp guy. Solid dude. Uh, And again, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's currently in its 10th season. It's on FXX Wednesday nights, and the season finale is on March 18th. Go to WTFPod.com for all your... WTF pod related business the marination tour dates are there um, merch is there there's going to be a lot more merch I got to, after the tour there's going to be a lot of posters in there I think I got to work on some new t-shirt designs I, I will do that justcoffee.coop is available at wtfpod.com and you can check the calendar uh, I already said that get the app the app the app the free app upgrade you can listen to all the episodes Oh, man, I'm punchy.
Boomer lives!